Hold the Line with Mike Solon is brought to you by the Seattle Police Officers Guild, Seattle's public safety voice, and by Heart to Heart Medical Supply. Heart to Heart is an American company offering FDA-registered respirator masks at the lowest prices. Heart to Heart offers free same-day shipping, and by using the promo code DELTA at checkout, you can receive 5% off your entire order. Visit hearttoheart.com. That's H-A-R-T, the number two, H-A-R-T dot com. Heart to Heart, where great masks are just a click away. Hey, welcome back to Hold the Line with Mike Solon. The mandate is here, and there's been a lot of drama. Today, we're going to focus on the mandate specifically, how that impacts the public, police officers, the aspects coming from the union, and I think the broader societal situation that's unfolding in our nation. I got a few links. Stand by. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish. Not a fight. So during the riots, during the expose, if you will, of just Seattle, Chaz Chop, I was inundated with national interest media interviews. But what I found most compelling with how many people were trying to get access and just information was from the local community here, particularly people that had interest and were just curious as to police interests, SPD, the union the riots, race relations, Department of Justice settlement agreement. And one in particular, uh, a community member in particular that I uh, have gotten to know, and I would have called my, one of my friends, um, and he and I never knew each other prior to any of this. Um, he sent me an email one day that was intriguing. And I would equate this individual, who will remain anonymous, but I would say that this individual is part of, the, is part of academia. He's an intellectual he really dives into studies uh, that impact society. Uh, he's into podcasts. And he just, he constantly sends me things to read through and think about. Uh, real high, uh, high interest in terms of concentrating on philosophy, thought, and its inlay into just um, police issues and how police issues impact society at large. And he recently sent me an email this past Thursday, which um, I found really compelling that I want to lead off with this podcast. It says, Mike, a leadership question came to my mind. How does a union leader thread the needle or walk the tightrope between neutrality to represent all members and an ethically principled scientific position on vaccinations? Right there, I was just like, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty loaded. That's the first question. And he says, he goes on, and he's humble too. He's like, I don't know if this question hits the mark. The situation appears to be a dilemma between representing members on one side and serving the public and the rule of law on the other. It appears that you are very aware of both sides of the dilemma. This article argues on the principled side of the dilemma. And he has a... Ending to this, it says, P.S. In the next email, I'll send you the New York Times article about Peel's nine ethical principles of law enforcement. 
when he sends me the email. And embedded in that thread is an op-ed from um, the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'll go through it. It's very, very short, as most op-eds are, because they have a certain amount of characters, word count you can have. And I'll read it. It says, cops must roll up their sleeves to protect themselves and the public. It was uh, published on October 20th, just a few days ago, by Dominic Sisti, Cindy Rickards, and Arthur Kaplan from the Chicago Sun-Times. As the number of preventable COVID-19 cases continue to rise, one group of unvaccinated holdouts and has dug in, apparently even if it seems losing their lives. Close to 500 police officers in the country have died from the coronavirus since the pandemic began. That number is five times the number of officers killed by gunfire. So far this year, 231 cops have died from complications related to COVID-19. Let's be clear. It is statistically nearly certain that none of these officers were vaccinated. They did not have to die. Despite this, police chiefs and union leaders, including Chicago, Chicago Fraternal Order of Police President John Catanzara continue to double down on anti-science, anti-public health, and anti-social, anti-vaccination stances. Catanzara took to Facebook to encourage his rank and file to defile the vaccine mandate, which went into effect last week. In the video, he parroted the vacuous claims of anti-vaccine misinformation campaigns, reiterating his, reiterating his views that vaccination requirements are some kind of, quote, overreach, unquote. Catanzara is misinforming his members. He fails to understand both how well COVID-19 vaccines work and that he and his members have an ethical duty to be vaccinated. It is unclear if he understands that the vaccines are 99.9% effective at preventing death by COVID-19, that billions of people have been safely vaccinated, and that the shots have been subject to the most robust safety research in public history. Certainly, Catanzara must not recognize the fact that vaccination also significantly reduces the severity of illness and greatly eliminates the chance of viral spread. Some of his officers may think that they don't need a shot since they have a coronavirus or are likely exposed to it. Exposed to it. But doctors know that vaccines provide much better immunity than infection for police officers, their families, and the people they work with. It is also unclear if Catanzara recognizes he is encouraging his members to violate the most basic ethical obligations they have as police officers. Police officers are duty-bound to safeguard lives. We entrust cops with the right to use force to protect members of our community. And we're almost done here. In 1829, Sir Walter Peel of London's Metropolitan Police Department formulated a set of nine ethical principles. These Pelean principles have served as the basis for a policing code of ethics and that created the, and have created the foundation of modern policing. Themes of community trust and engagement have been reflected in police mission statements for two centuries in democratic countries as a result. Most notably, Peel recognized that the existence of the police is dependent upon public approval and the ability to secure and maintain public respect. Officers are obligated to preserve public respect, not by, quote, catering to the public opinion, but constantly demonstrating absolute impartial service to the law, unquote. Community policing strategy and policy have cited the historic tradition that the police, quote, that the police are the public and the public are the police, unquote. We are now witnessing the continued erosion of ethical policing by FOP leaders who reject time-honored 
the Lean principles by denying science and recklessly placing their members in the public health at risk. Vaccine-resistant cops and their union chiefs continue to violate both scientific common sense and fundamental ethical norms. It is now up to mayors and police chiefs to enforce vaccination requirements. Last week, a judge ordered Kat Nazera to temporarily stop using social media to con- encourage his members to defy the city's mandate to enter the vaccine status on their city's online data portal. And earlier this week, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown said 21 sworn police officers have been placed on no-pay status for refusing to report their vaccination status. That's a start. Chicago police have, quote, we serve and protect, unquote, paid it on their patrol guards. If they mean it, they ought to get vaccinated. And that's that piece. So the email was intriguing, as, in my opinion, it spawns thought, it spawns conversation. And you have an op-ed in the Chicago sometimes because Chicago, the FOP, and the mayor are in contention with one another in terms of the vaccine. And the mayor has been on record saying, well, she is not going to retreat when it comes to the mandate. But lo and behold, due to the pressure of losing, what was at the time, half of her police force who hadn't uploaded their vaccine verification status, um, she basically relented and agreed to masking and testing in order to have cops to continue with their public service. So that's part of the negotiation debate. Now, what the article, the op-ed doesn't show is that not only was Kat Nazera um, basically censored by the judge, but so was the mayor in terms of the, their public fight. So I hope that the op-ed would have some a bit of more modicum of reasonableness in terms of their opinion. But that is what it is. So that gets down to the crux of the debate. How does it get into Seattle's hands, SPOG in general, the Seattle Police Officers Guild? So I just recently did uh, an interview on Fox News, and I'll go into that in just a minute, regarding the mandate in and of itself, and I'll link it here in just a second. But it's our contention that this isn't about vaccine or unvaccinated or anti-vaxxers. And I've been very clear. I've done multiple media interviews nationally and locally here. We don't want to get into a union whether uh, we support vaccinated or unvaccinated people. We have to support everybody. And as strictly as a union's role is to preserve jobs, period. I don't care. We don't care if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. What we care about is saving your job and playing with the rules in terms of this is a labor issue. It is a change in your working conditions, which in our opinion follows state law in terms of this is a mandatory subject of bargaining, which means the decision and the effects, which we put it on a press release at seattlepeaceofficers.com, is inherently of our interest, is, is, is of major interest to us, to us to advocate for the people to save their jobs, regardless if it's one, one job or if it's 100. But more importantly, where that Chicago Sun-Times optics or uh, um, op-ed comes into mind and the email from the community member who I would call now my friend, that is it our duty as public safety officers who serve the public to get the vaccine? What about personal choice? Freedom. I've been told many of these things. I've got emails across the country. This is about freedom, personal choice, emails from a membership. I've gotten emails from people that are already vaccinated. I got people from unvaccinated realms 
very few anti-vaxxers. Um, but, uh, but the activists like to craft it like, these are the anti-vaxxer police. They should be fired. Get rid of them. That's not our interest, not our lane. The lane is protecting jobs, bargaining for those jobs, period. It's also not about the science of the vaccines. Like, that's not our purview. Um, what this really encapsulates, I think, with the email from the community member, with the op-ed from the Chicago Sun-Times, this is about the nature of police officers, who we are as human beings, what drives us to become cops. And I think it also more broadly touches on use of force, the optics of those decisions by humans who are police officers, and some type, sometimes the disconnect between the public, op-eds in general, um, and people who view a real small snippet of a viral body-worn video of an officer using force without broad context. This goes into all of those issues encapsulated into one conversation, which is what it means to be a police officer. Why do we do what we do? Why do we stand up for these things? Principles. In fact, the very nature of a human being that does the job of policing it's to stand up for what's right and to protect the helpless. People that can't protect themselves, that are desperate for somebody to fill the void, fill the breach, come help them. It's also embedded in our oath of service. And what I mean by that is to adhere to the United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights freedom, due process. That's the foundation of our nation. And as police officers, we're held to that standard. And you better believe we're going to defend that standard and more often than not, emulate that standard with our work product. It doesn't mean police are perfect. Absolutely not. We're flawed just like you, me. We're human. But it's the specific type of individual that becomes a police officer to defend others who can't defend themselves, to stand up for victims, to stand up for what's right, to defend the Constitution, freedom and personal choice. But we also understand the impacts of just in being an employee with a city, such as the city of Seattle. You know, the debate rages on whether or not the mayor has the authority to put forth this mandate. Okay, we can have that debate, but right now this union is seeing it strictly as a labor issue because it's mandatory change in working conditions. Therefore, it must be bargained. If you, any, if you have any ad adherence to state law bargaining issues, that's why we're taking this position. Again, it's not about the vaccinated, not about the unvaccinated. We have no interest in segregating our membership along those lines. And we don't want to play into what's occurring in our society is literally segregating, segregating us along those lines. We're not going to do it. We're going to bargain this. Hold the Line with Mike Solon is sponsored by StopDefunding.com. The senseless trend of defunding police departments must be stopped. Over 200,000 reasonable citizens have already signed our petition, and we need your help. Visit StopDefunding.com and add your signature to help us protect public safety. 
Now more than ever, our voices must be heard. Speak up at StopDefunding.com. So let's break it down even further. We've seen a lot of, what would you call it? Political words being used, political correctness in terms of what's the definition of a peace officer? Is it a warrior? Is it a guardian? We found that in this state, Criminal Justice Training Commission, they changed the warrior mantra to the guardian mantra. I don't care. Whatever word you want to choose, that's, that's your cup of tea. I'm not going to get into that game. I would prefer either warrior or guardian or both, whatever your perception is. But those two words combined into one, they basically represent, in my view, my mind, a good representation or a good definition of the type of human that that is police. The one that has the warrior mindset or the guardian mindset, that alpha personality. Some of us are alpha, beta, combination of both. But for the most part, we're alphas. We take charge. We handle situations. We step in. We make critical decisions, split-second decisions that majority of the public have an inability to make. It's a specific type of human that becomes police. We can't survive without those kind of people. We need the warriors. We need the guardians. But right now, we're experiencing the cancellation of that profession, the cancellation of that warrior mentality, the guardian mentality. All for political reasons. For alternative forms of policing, social workers. And I say this every time on this podcast, and even all the countless media interviews I do, it's, we were the modeled reformed agency by the same elected leaders that did this mandate. Just days before Floyd. They said we're the modeled reformed agency. Then Floyd happens. These same politicians run away from us as fast as they can. And what we've experienced is the political betrayal. And I'll break it down with you right now a little bit further. When I play this Fox News clip I did with Harris Faulkner earlier this week. They want to cancel police unions because we're the last bastion of some type of reasonable pushback against the unreasonable political uh, public safety messaging coming from our elected officials because it's the activist culture, especially here in Seattle, that are driving the public safety political discourse. And since we've been so boisterous in our pushback against that, we're going against the norm. And going against the norm is causing an optics problem for our elected Hmm. officials. And as they're trying to convince the public that, number one, we're the modeled reformed agency, but now, apparently, since Floyd, our entire culture needs to change— And then now they're worried about the crime spike here in Seattle. And what the mandate will do is remove what I will believe be over 100 police officers, not the 24 that the mayor's office is messaging. This is an optics battle, especially in the media. And we're all in here to protect jobs and inform our community that we humbly serve of what the reality is. We're dealing with truths and facts. The other side is dealing with completely covering up, in my opinion, the reality of the numbers of how many officers we could possibly lose. So there you go. So I kind of broke it down real, real quick was the, um, the man in and of itself, 
the optics of losing so many people because I, I, I tied the police jobs to the mandate. And since the political betrayal where I mentioned with days before Floyd modeled reformed agency after Floyd were politically betrayed, that's led to 350 cops gone. And then you bring in the mandate where we literally could lose over 100 cops. And the messaging that was coming out from the mayor's office, again, it's an optics battle. One of the reasons why I started this podcast is to get our message out there outside of local media that only give you five, 10 seconds of clips. And then more importantly, national media too. It's the same kind of concept. But this is about protecting jobs. It's not about the vaccine. It's not about vax or unvax. Protecting jobs because folks, we have 100 people that have applied for exemption status who we're being told aren't going to get in accommodations, meaning masking and testing aren't going to be an option. These are the same people, meaning the whole of the department. The majority of us are vaccinated. But broadly speaking, as we're bargaining this process, these, everybody worked for 18 months straight with masking, social distancing when we can. Very low transmission rate. We could lose 100 cops. Those are 100 cops that are currently off the street because of this mandate. So that's 450 cops gone in a year and a half. Outside of that, there's another list of cops that are unavailable right now. It's just under 150. Those are people that are on extended leave, such as they're injured, they're on military leave, what have you, paid parental leave. We could be looking at over 500 cops gone in a two-year time period. Imagine what our city will look like if we're already experiencing the rises in crime that we're seeing, the utter staffing crisis that we're seeing. Can you imagine this department, which has just over 1,000 deployable officers now, if we lose even 300 more? Ladies and gentlemen, that'll be half of our department gone in two years' time, all because of politics and political pandering. The optics battle is currently underway. How can you protect our community with that less of cops? Your public safety is in grave danger, but we're still being pandered with alternative forms of policing social workers. It's truly stunning. And as a citizen of this city, I'm extremely worried. I'm asking our politicians, how are you going to protect me and my family? I move on. So during this bargaining process with the city, um, it's still ongoing. I'm not going to get into specifics, but I'm going to be very brief. There are some aspects that I alluded to that interview, and you can find it online um, with, with Harris Faulkner, that I spoke about the mandate and the direct bargaining actions the city, the mayor did to our people. Well, that's a violation of labor law. You're not allowed to do that. So mayor sends an email blast to their employees. They spout that. She spouts that Spog didn't accept the temporary agreement that other coalition of city unions got, basically pressuring the members that if you don't get this, then you're going to lose this. Meaning if you don't agree to the TA, the mandate itself, you're going to lose these, what would they, what would they call um, um, rewards, if you will, for working during the pandemic and getting a certain amount of time off. Well, there's a certain reason why we didn't agree to that TA. I'm not going to get into it here, but... We're, as a union, together. 
on this. And we look forward to future bargaining sessions. But I want to be clear that I've heard people also connect the dots as to this mandate, how detrimental it is to just the staffing concerns. And then one person said to me, and I think it's relevant, and maybe you as the audience can can delve into this too. The council pledged to uh, defund us by 50%. Our StopDefunding.com got that down to around 18%. But the defund narrative continues, especially with the small activist class that drive public safety political discourse. But is this mandate another move? Not as overt as messaging about 50% defunding by just removing your money, but just removing jobs. Does this really connect the 50% pledge to defund us if you just remove jobs? One could make the argument. But also tied into that, too. I also think that the mandate of itself is also tied to ideology. Like, people believe that the vaccine is the only antidote to this virus. Again, we're not going to get into the science game. It's not our lane. We're here to protect jobs. But if you combine the ideology where they think that the vaccine is the the be-all, end-all, where masking and testing isn't relevant anymore, although we did it for 18 months, and we're also seeing uh, nurses allowed to just mask and test, we're seeing other... uh, employees allowed to mask and test, but apparently that's not good enough for cops. Um, This goes down to the heart of just the mandate of itself, protecting freedom, protecting the Constitution, along with protecting jobs. And I've heard people message Spock, well, just get the vaccine. Well, it's bigger than that. As a warrior, as a guardian, police have a fundamental duty. They believe that they must protect freedom, the Constitution. But it's a fine balance, as I referenced in my friend's email earlier. How do you balance it? How do you balance public safety and trust with thinking that the police officer is safe to come into their home to handle their help, call for help? And then how does the police officer recognize that public service but also want to adhere to their fundamental oath of service, which is protecting the Constitution, our nation's freedom. And a lot of people believe that this is an assault on freedom, the mandate of itself. And that's what I referenced. This is strictly about the mandate. That's where the lane of conversation is here, especially for police. And that's a reaction to the Chicago Sun-Times and anybody else that thinks we should just get the vaccine and move on. It's bigger than that, people. It's also tied into use of force issues the understanding of why cops make those split-second decisions, defending their oath, making decisions as the warrior, the guardian, to defend their life, to defend somebody else's life. All of this is, is intertwined. I hope I'm making my point clear. If I'm not, please message in the comments, and I'll try to rectify it or answer your email. And I'll go into that 50% defunding issue in terms of losing cops and equating it to the 50% defunding. And I'll, I'll just quote public safety chair from the city council, Lisa Herbold. You can find the link here, mynorthwest.com. And this comes from council member Herbold's office where it was questioned by her asking about the impacts of a 50% cut 
saying, quote, some members of the public are still calling for a 50% reduction to SPD's budget, despite the fact that 80% of SPD's budget is personnel costs. What would be the impact of such a reduction on, for example, staffing and 911 response times, unquote? And so if you look at the mandate, the removal of jobs, well, then you can connect the dots in terms of at least the council asking. There's some members of the public that still want to see 50% to funding. Now, granted, the council's one entity, the mayor's office is one entity. Both of those two and two bodies are in a civil war, civil war for their own um, ideology in terms of what their alternative form of policing looks like post-Floyd, and then they want control of the money, that $15 million of salary surplus that's available. It's another, just another mess here in Seattle at City Hall. But I think that this piece ties that conversation together, the mandate, jobs, and then some of the messaging from people I've heard about, maybe this is the 50% to funding uh, final move is to remove jobs. I'll let you decide. So we feel as if officers have been, officers have been politically betrayed by our politicians. Um, this is a war on the job of policing. And the activist class in this city are definitely want our jobs. They want to abolish the police. Anybody that supports defunding wants to abolish the police. I've said that record uh, on record many times. And the activist class bully and push our representatives to do their bidding, and it's happening. We already have 100 officers off the street right now because of the mandate. We already have 150 off the street because they're on extended leave. Potentially right there is a bucket of people, 250, that could be gone. This comes at a time when we've already lost 350. So, so far this year, 33 homicides, over 3,500 car thefts, and almost 200 cases of arson so far. Not to mention the 40% rise in shootings. Um, people desperate for cops to answer their call for help. If we remove 250 more cops especially 100 if they're not going to get accommodations. Hopefully some of those people get vaccinated. We'll see. But we can't push that as a union. we got to just defend the jobs. It's not our lane to say do it or don't. It's personal choice. Remember, oath of service, oath of office, you name it. If we lose all those cops, Seattle will be like the running of the bulls, but not just with legitimate bulls. It's going to be criminals criminals that are running roughshod over you and your public safety because there's no warrior, there's no garden to fill the void, fill the breach. That's why this mandate is so drastically important to bargain, to save jobs, reasonable accommodations. With that reasonable accommodation approach, and I've mentioned here before on national interviews, the debate from... Chicago sometimes, the op-ed, people talking about natural immunity. Well, when in terms of natural immunity, an article came out in the Wall Street Journal in June. Link here in the description. And when we started, basically, just right before we were bargaining this mandate, I was notified by the mayor's office, the aide, and said that, hey, this mandate's coming down. Um, we're going to tie it to as a condition of employment. And people are going to be mandated to get the vaccine. So I said, well, 
what about the people that have had COVID and have recovered it with natural immunity? And I use myself as an example. I got COVID. Um, thankfully, I didn't have that big of a reaction to it, and I beat it. Um, but the Wall Street Journal, uh, excuse me, the, the, the mayor's aide says, natural immunity is not backed up by science. Therefore, we're not going to allow it. You have to get vaccinated. So then I take that and I say, well, wait a minute. There, there's so much other information that says that science is backing up natural immunity as maybe the best course of action for COVID. And I said to the mayor, well, there's a lot of people that have in our membership that have got COVID and they've beat it. Thankfully, none of us have passed. Um, a few of us were hospitalized for sure. But there's so much ambiguity with this that it seems to be in flux. You know, we were told that masking is the only option. Get the vaccine, then natural immunity would help. Then you don't need to wear a mask. Then it's wear a mask and vaccinated. Now we're down to uh, vaccines. But the Wall Street Journal opinion piece points out in the middle of the article, and it says natural immunity is durable. Researchers from Washington University in St. Louis reported last month that 11 months after a mild infection, immune cells were still capable of producing protective antibodies. The authors concluded that prior COVID infection induces a robust and long-lived humoral immune response, leading some scientists to suggest that natural immunity is probably lifelong. Because infection began months earlier than vaccination, we have more follow-up data on the duration of natural immunity than on vaccinated immunity. And we're seeing more and more reports come out of people that are vaccinated can still get and transmit the virus. And there seems to be the segregated battle between blaming the unvaxxed and the, against the vaxxed, and then you got this mandate that comes down, and our only interest is, holy cow, there's so much ambiguity, and it's unclear in terms of the alternative forms of messaging from media, scientists, people in the know, people that have claimed to be experts. Our only lane here is about protecting jobs and, the, and, 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 and protecting personal choice and the mandate. Bargain it as it's a condition of employment, okay? Then you have to talk with us about it. And we go into. So what can you do to try to weigh in on this. Like I mentioned, I had a community member that I've referenced here. I've heard from all sorts of people that say, just get vaccinated. It's on our social media. You can see all those posts, people commenting. Um, do you, I, I want you to weigh in. Do you really think that police officers are violating their oath of, oath of service, their public trust, if many of us I would say 100 is many. If, how about we just walk that down? How about we just say some of us are un unvaccinated that actually get reasonable accommodations, hopefully, where we have masking and testing to keep our jobs. Are we really that big of a threat? I'll point you to a recent SPD blotter that occurred mid-October, just last week, where there's an article about a man, police officer, pulls a man from a burning car in Madison Valley just up here to the east of us. And watch this piece of these heroic officers and their body-worn cameras rushing into action. Is the community worried about these officers being vaccinated? Or do they care about them being unvaccinated? Do they have time in an emergent situation, these warriors, these guardians who make the call to serve, to protect life, 
Is that what we're worried about? Did you see the driver? Driver. Oh. I got fire Charlie Get a fire extinguisher. Uh, we'll be there. Captain Seabell, man. Okay. No. Hey, you're good, bud. Come on. I got a knife out, bro. Alex. You alright? Yeah. Hey, oh, sit down. Oh, your car's on fire. Pull them out. Oh, oh, pull them out. No, I pulled my knife out, though. Okay, go. Hold the pin. Hold the pin. Anybody got another fire extinguisher? So I'm going to just pause it right there. So I guess the question begs answered. If you're, if you're a community member who's injured like that, or if you're a witness, are you going to take the time and see, be, be really worried about if that officer is vaccinated or not? I mean, is this really what's, what we're talking about? I mean, I, I could do a podcast breakdown of this body-worn camera alone. Um, but what are we talking about here? And I re- reiterate to say that majority of us are vaccinated. We're still willing to serve. We're warriors. We're guardians. Look at them jump into action. Car's on fire. They pull them out. Cop pulls out a knife, cuts the seatbelt. I got a fire extinguisher that won't work. I mean... These are all things that in the heat of the moment, you, you're rushing to save a life, the fire that a battery could explode any time. This is hazardous. You're breathing these fumes. I mean, all these things you need to talk about. And it goes down to the fundamental police officer, that warrior, that guardian. Folks, we're losing these people. When we did 18 months of masking, very low transmission rate. In fact, when the vaccine was first offered to our community in King County, we were discouraged by this city from getting the vaccine to the threat of discipline if we got it with the optics of what if we jumped the line and got it before our community gets it? And now you fast forward 18 months and we could lose 100 officers. And we've lost 350. Sadly, this whole COVID mandate has been politicized. Mentioned several articles, community member weighing in. How do you balance it? How do you balance standing up for your members with doing what's right for the public? It's very, very delicate. And as this union operates, we're trying to balance that, stand up for jobs, but adhering to the Constitution freedom, valuing those that get vaccinated, also valuing those that are unvaccinated, not forming an opinion that splits us, segregates us. That's not our lane. We as cops, we're there to stand up for what's right and wrong. Majority of us do the right thing. 
nine times out of ten, day in and day out, we're human beings. We chase after bad people. We hold them accountable. We also hold ourselves accountable. Yes, activists, we do. But I'm interested in what your opinion is. Do we defend freedom? Personal choice? While we support vaccinated and unvaccinated, do we tie it to jobs? Is that fair? Thanks for listening. Went a a little bit long today, but I had a lot to do. And uh, please interested in your comments and like and subscribe, all that YouTube stuff. We need to get the message out there. We're fighting for this profession, fighting for jobs, fighting for your public safety. And hopefully, with your support and you sharing this podcast, we all can continue to hold the line. Thanks for listening and watching.